0: Oh, man, I just lost a chunk of my nest egg in the market whipsaw. Oh, sorry to hear that. Looks like I'll be wearing a yellow apron well into my 70s. Welcome to wall... Hey, don't get down. Get educated. Listen to the Total Financial Hour with host Air of Sundays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. What did you learn? How not to go backwards with the market, my friend, and have the opportunity to move forward with market growth. That's exactly what I need. So learn about your financial power with the Total Financial Hour, Sundays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. here on am 870. The answer. financial security will help you live the life you dream learn about financial power the total financial hour now hey welcome to the show good morning i'm erif hallaby the total financial hour on am870 the answer hey we're here talking about your family's finances helping you get out of debt manage money plan for retirement be in retirement and ready for this enjoy retirement uh gosh you know sometimes it becomes uh i i guess like that that famous dish that you go out to eat with your friends and family and they say you have to try this restaurant you have to try this dish at this restaurant and you go out you're all sitting around the table life is good you're enjoying it everything is fine uh the famous dish comes out and all three other people at the table take a bite they enjoy it they're smiling they're nodding they're chewing. They're not saying a word. You just know they're enjoying it. And when you take your first bite, you don't like it at all. It's nasty. It's, it's disgusting. <laughs> You're thinking, why do these people like this? Now, for many of you, that's the way retirement is. Everybody's talked about it. You couldn't wait to be there. You get to this place in life where you arrive, and it's just not what you thought it was going to be. And for many people, it's lonely. It's sad. For many people, it becomes this thing uh, that you're afraid to talk about, right? Because you're at that dinner table. You don't want to say that you dislike this. You don't want to say how, how <laughs> disgusting it is, right? It, it's just, it's a horrible thing. And you're saying, I just don't like this. So instead you kind of dance around the edges, you eat around the edges, you distract, right? You do everything you can to be, oh, look, it's time to go. Move the food around on your plate to make it look like you've eaten more than you really have. So in retirement, we do the same kind of thing. We talk about only the good things. Really, that's the reason social media is such a problem, right? Because you and I, when we look at it, we actually believe that those happy people have that life 24-7. And they don't. Look around at a dinner uh, table at a, at an amusement park or, or at a restaurant. Just look around when people take a picture of their food or they take a picture of themselves. And, you know, they have a grimace on their face. They're mean or grumpy. They're pushing their kids around. No, no, no. Stand over here. Stand over here. And the poor kids would rather be any place but there at the moment. And And then the parents take that picture and snap. Everybody's supposed to smile. And she doesn't like the way Junior smiled. So we're going to take it again. Uh, And now Susie didn't smile properly, so we're going to take it again. And before you know it, it's four times, and the kids are just going to do what they're told so they can get on with the rest of their day. And all you see on social media is that moment in time where, wow, she even got the kids to smile. My kids aren't that happy all the time. So they they must be a perfect family, and we must be certainly by default imperfect. So I think part of what you're thinking is, is retirement is supposed to be this glorious opportunity to just be and do everything you wanted to be. And, and I'm here to tell you guys, number one, it's not right for everybody. Just like being a brain surgeon isn't right for everybody, right? There are some things in retirement that's not going to make your life really comfortable. Like, believe it or not, you have to kind of create your own entertainment. You have to be responsible for your own happiness, Now in life, those things don't normally change. It's the way it's always been, but we can really divert a lot of it. You can blame your boss or your coworkers. There's other people in your life you can blame for so many things. But when your spouse passes away or when it's just you at home and you look around and you say, really, I guess I've had an unhappy life and it's been my fault, right? Right? The happiness was something I was in control of the entire time. My ability to be healthy was in my control the entire time. My ability to have financial freedom was in my control the entire time. You see, these things don't just happen because one day you wake up and, quote, you're retired, so all of your financial uh, wishes and dreams must line up. Look, you can look in the mirror, and if you think uh, a war in the Middle East is not coming one way or the other, I don't care, between two countries, whether we're involved or not, why do I say that? Oh, it's it's because it's always been. I'm not sure the reason. That's probably one of the questions I'll ask God is why the Middle East always has problems. Why is it that countries that are neighbors can't just get along? Right? They might say, listen, I'm, I'm going to agree to disagree with you on a whole bunch of things, but we're stuck in this neighborhood. We can't move. So we're going to have to figure it out. Right? Why do they have to, to be at their throats? So when you think there isn't going to be something happening somewhere, it's, I, I think until you're on the other side of of death, it, it's not going to be a possibility. So you have to be prepared for some sort of correction, as they say, or decline in your market, in your account, as I say, because I love it when they say, oh, it's a correction. It's a, as if making money is bad, we're going to correct you because your account is up. So we're going to pull it back to what we call normal, which is You lose, right? I mean, ask yourself some of these terms. There's a correction in the market. Oh, correction, correction. Your family's finances, your future to enjoy uh, enjoyment of retirement. Like that part of your life is really going to be about a few things. And one of those specifically is who's responsible. Who's responsible for your health and happiness and financial well-being. You can certainly have a team of people. But you also, believe it or not, better have a mirror where you can turn around and look and say, all right, here we go. Now, to me, that's exciting. And it's exciting for a lot of reasons, simply because it gives you the opportunity, believe it or not, to take the whiteboard, wipe it down and start over and say, I know I've always been in this career, but now I'm going to switch over to this. You know, hey, one of my my favorite things is a gentleman who worked for a defense contractor for many years, 30 something years. Uh, smart guy, made a lot of money, has a pension, life is good. Retired in his I want to say early 60s, but he's very fit, very happy guy, looks like he's in his early 50s. And he said, "You know, I've I, I just I'm going to I'm going to go and work for the local school district." And he started doing that and before you know it, they said, "Hey, do you mind? Uh, you're a guy and we have a lot of ladies at work here. Uh, and we need a, a guy to be strong enough uh physically to handle we'll just call him Junior. And he's special needs. He's a smart kid. He's going to do well in school, but sometimes he gets he acts up a little bit, and he seems to act better around men." All right. So, he says, "Yeah, I'll do that job." He basically falls in love with this kid and his family and and decides he's going to work for just above minimum wage. And he's going to be the, it's called the one-on-one. And he starts teaching this kid. And this man happens to also be an artist. So he starts to teach this young man how to draw and paint. And they go from class to class and he helps carry his books and helps take notes. And he works through one grade and then another grade and then another grade so he, he is in his third year uh, of, of high school, I believe, walking through with this young man life. In other words, here is somebody who, quote, has all the financial means to, to travel, to, to stay in, in uh, you know, some of the nicer restaurants and, and hotels across the country and the world. And yet he is spending his normal every day. He has to get up early meet the young man at the front of the school, and walk him to his first class. So I share this with you because purpose is the most important thing. Listen, if if you've listened to my show more than 10 minutes, uh, you'll hear me say that word, purpose. And yet I still have some of you say, I love your show, Eric. And I say to you, usually I'll go, hey, so what is the most important thing you've learned? And you'll talk about some sort of academic financial thing. And I'll say, well, what about purpose? And sometimes... Even though you've listened to the show, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Listen, I don't think you're bad. I'm just saying that it gets lost in a lot of other things. That's why I cover it often. So you can pick it up again and again. Because so many of us forget there's something to do every day, and that keeps us young. So I'll give you some a good kind of a thought process. When we are retired, there are a lot of things that we can do, a lot of different jobs, okay? And what are some of those jobs that we can do? What are some of those uh, items that we can do to become or to be more valuable or to have a purpose? And I believe it's going to come through a couple of things. Number one, I think you're going to have to understand whether you're in an urban area or a more of a rural area, teaching never gets old. There are always young people coming, especially at community colleges, especially as an adjunct instructor, plenty of people are working that work that, that are clients of ours that work at an institution where they go out and they teach their field of study. And because they did it yesterday, the relevance, like, hey, let me tell you guys, the last year we worked on a project at so-and-so company. Let me tell you how we did it. And the students are glued because it used to be the reverence for, for teachers was much higher. If you're an educator today, guys, you know the respect you have from the students. In many of these schools, it's not very high. And it's not you personally. It's the, it's the profession. You can be an amazing educator. And yet, for some reason, the, the, the students that are there don't seem to respect you the way they used to. That changes a lot, of course, when you get into community college or adjunct professors or some of you with with master's or PhDs might even be able to work at the the Cal State college level. But there are plenty of college instructor-type jobs, uh, uh, teaching in junior high and high school. Charter schools, I think, are the wave of the future. This particular governor seems to have his head in a place that's not that doesn't include uh, the best interest for California. We hope he's he's a temporary problem in the state. And this war on charter schools eventually ends. We'll see. But you guys know that there's one party in the state, and it's a supermajority, which means everything they want to do, everything they do, there's nobody to push back. It's like being an emperor or a king, right? They don't have to discuss their ideas. They don't have to listen to the other side. So if their goal is to eliminate charter schools, they'll eliminate charter schools. Really, I should say, if the union's goal is to eliminate charter schools, since the Democrat Party just does their bidding, right, whether it's the state employees uh, union, whether it's the, uh, the unions for any organizations, because it's this incestuous relationship, right? We give you money so that you can vote us a pay raise and benefits, so we can have more money, to give you money, so that we can, you can give us more money, so we can, you get it? It doesn't end. Here's another role that we see a lot of retirees, and sometimes they are ladies uh, or gentlemen that are in their early 60s, mid-60s, maybe they were laid off, maybe it was just time for them to leave the last firm, and they went from working in a large law firm, and now they want to work in as, a, as an admin assistant, Or some sort of a role in an office, bookkeeping or accounting, office clerks, receptionist in a much slower paced, smaller office. And look, if they, they may not make the 97,000 a year they used to make at this big law firm in downtown Los Angeles, but they don't need to because they save for retirement. They have Medicare, they have social security and listen, they're just They're looking to stay busy and maybe they'll do it for three years or two years or five years. So that is an invaluable role. You know, I I was uh, interviewing somebody recently and she said, you know, Eric, not a lot of people want to hire seniors. I said, listen, I'm not sure who you're talking to, but I can tell you this of my friends that are, that are business owners, they clamor to hire somebody who's mature and professional who isn't going to call in sick every Monday morning, who's not going to have a fight with her her boyfriend, or I guess these days his boyfriend, on Friday and then not come in. Right? They want somebody professional who understands the office politics means you do your job. Imagine that. Who's not going to be on their phone every 15 seconds. So I know when seniors go to interview for a job and they want to blame their age, maybe, maybe, Maybe it's something else, and that's something else they can fix. You can't fix your age, but if the problem is something else, maybe your attitude or your dress, your breath. I mean, I don't know. Figure it out. Because hiring a, somebody in their fifties or sixties or seventies, as long as they can show up on time, they're not going to, you know, get hurt, and, and they're going to work hard and and learn, and all of the. Listen, there's some great value in wisdom. I don't care who you are what about somebody who is a nurse now i don't mean an rn but you could be a caregiver an lvn right which is a licensed vocational nurse or a nursing assistant a lot of home health aides are an amazing uh, it's an amazing profession these folks go out and really make the lives of other people better so if you're one of those caring folks Right? You're somebody who really enjoys going out, caring for others. Maybe your kids have grown. Maybe your husband has passed away or you're divorced. Maybe your children have moved away. They just don't need you the same. Maybe you don't have very many grandchildren. Or if you do, they have grown. And being a, a caregiver might just be the answer as a second career. I, I like the idea and the concept because what it does is it allows you to stay plugged in to the healthcare world So you kind of know what's going on. But when you are saving, because of the Secure Act of 2019, your age can be past age 70 and a half. You can be past collecting the RMDs. And you are still allowed to deposit money in a traditional IRA. And in my opinion, maybe the answer for you is a Roth IRA. So, you might work not because you necessarily need all of that much money. Maybe you do, but whatever the dollars are that you can save, I want you to set those aside in a Roth IRA. Consider that. Meet with your financial professional, your tax advisor and ask them, Hey, what what does it make? Does it make more sense to go into a Roth? Because here's the challenge, guys. Those dollars are never taxed again. And if you can receive the discount today because you're in a lower tax bracket, why not? A lot of retirees have decided to step into, uh, into uh, real estate. Maybe you owned real estate as an investment before, not just your primary residence. Maybe you just like getting along well with people and w- want to make your own schedule. The median salary of real estate brokers is well above $40,000 a year. So if you're a real estate agent, you remember you're self-employed, you get to set your own hours but it allows you the opportunity to go out and meet people. Now you can work one of the first, well, yeah. One of the first new homes or home that I bought, it wasn't brand new. I was 23 years old and the lady that sold it to us was a retiree who had moved out here from Texas, her and her husband, because their granddaughter lived out here, or their daughter lived out here and had a granddaughter. So she wanted to be with her grandchildren. She says, oh, I'm going to sell te- uh, sell real estate here because she used to sell it in, in Texas. So I, I like the idea that even though in our case she was a little older, we felt that she was trustworthy. She was giving us the right advice. It was our first time home purchase. We didn't know a whole lot. My wife was 21. We had to figure out life. And so there is an inherent trustingness that occurs when you're a little older. All right? So that wisdom that our seniors seem to get, I want you to start thinking about this because the wisdom can come in and and that trustworthiness into all sorts of levels of sales. It can come across when you're selling something that you're passionate about. If you are passionate about art, you might be able to sell art supplies or work at an art store. You know, one of my favorite things to do was to go into Uh, a particular framing store. They don't exist anymore. But I really liked it because I I like taking pictures. That's my thing as a photographer, kind of a wannabe photographer. And I liked looking at the different things that were there. And there was one particular person there who had such a passion and love for framing photography. That was a big deal to me. Framing images mattered a lot to this person. And that passion carried over. In fact, when I would go there to shop for something, if she wasn't there, I just would go. I would leave and say, "Oh, when when does she come in?" Well, she's scheduled to work tomorrow at four. Okay, thanks. And I would return because her passion for what she did allowed people like me, who who were a little insecure about art, because that's not it's not my main thing, right? It gave him it gave her that opportunity to connect to me, and she never treated me poorly. Never called me, uh, you know, made fun of me or anything like that. And so fast forward, I don't know, maybe five years. I don't know where she is now because the store closed down. And what a shame for somebody with that kind of passion. I hope she stayed in that field. I hope she stayed in that world where she still has that ability, if you will, to teach through passion. Now, Here's another one that I think is really, really interesting. And you will see it often. But it is a, a, an, a what do they call it now? as the, the Kleenex of uh, driving. It's the Uber Lyft drivers. Right, I don't know. I think in some cities and states there are other smaller startup companies. But really Uber and Lyft are the two big ones. The rideshare. The rideshare business means you have to have a car. And my wife and I were, were in um, Washington, D.C. And we were there for the inauguration many years ago, of course, three years ago. And when we were there, we were going from our hotel, because you can imagine it was difficult to get a hotel close to D.C. that was under $1,000 a night. So we were out just a little bit before we, so we had to take a, a, an Uber driver in into town or the, the subway, which was also pretty full. We ended up with the same lady a couple of times just by chance. And where that really made a big difference was this. We sat down with the lady and and, uh, she had a nice van. It was clean. But it was the first time I had seen multiple chargers coming out of the the plug-in deal. A little mini cooler with water that was on ice. She had a couple of of, uh, sodas, different sodas, a diet and a regular. What was amazing to me is she had little mints. And things like that Allowed us to go. She is. uh, She takes this job seriously. And she was fascinated. We were from Los Angeles, and we were here. And she thought everybody in L.A. was uh, was liberal, and nobody would come to uh, to the president's, you know, inauguration. And she herself said said she didn't support him, but that she would be his president, her president. I I thought that was interesting because the 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 discourse was so deep, and yet we were able to connect with a local person who spent a few minutes and she transferred her love of people through the service of being a driver, right? So, so to me, that makes a big difference. I think a lot of you forget that there are ways to still serve. Now, maybe you can't get out and lift a 35 pound suitcase out of the trunk of your car. Okay, well, then that person's going to have to do it, right? Uh, That's just not going to be the way it goes. That is not going to be your thing, but I think that's an amazing idea. And here's the numbers, just so you're clear. What we're finding is a lot of rideshare drivers. It's somewhere between two and $3,000 a month if you are working relatively full-time. Four days a week, six hours a day, five days a week, six hours, eight hours, something like that. You're looking at an additional $2,500, $3,000 a month, somewhere in that realm. Okay, so that's a lot of money. Yes, you're going to have car expenses. Yes, you're going to have gasoline. So you wouldn't want to drive, you know, an eight-cylinder sports car <laughs> as an Uber driver. Well, they might pay you more money for it, especially if they could drive it. But how about lay clergy? Have you heard of that? Look, U.S. News and World Report has an amazing uh, system or article of group of of ideas where you can have an on-demand or in-demand job. And they have found, believe it or not, that lay clergy, for men and women, it's growing and growing. And there is actually, in some cases, a paid position. Not always, but remember, your retirement is taken care of. Your purpose in life, not so much. Your ability to make a difference in the world, we need to address that. So keep in mind, there are plenty of things you can do whether it's child care, whether it's in-home cur- uh, uh, adult care, right? So don't don't just give up. When we come back, we're going to get into some more details. Okay, now the technical part, your retirement account, what are some choices? We have that when we return. Hey, this is Arif Halliby on the Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Higher income strategy I'll retire comfortably Thanks to Arif. Arab- Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial power. Now higher income strategy. Hey guys, welcome back to the program. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Araf Hallaby. The total financial hour on AM870, The Answer, 888 Retire. That's 888-997-3847. That's our number. That's the way you can get a hold of me directly. If you have any questions, like if you'd like us to, uh, I don't know, take a look at your financial stuff, see what I can do to maybe uh, sit down in your life and, and maybe come up with a solution. Guys, it would be my pleasure if I could. Uh, we have a couple of questions here today. When it comes to my pensions, that's the name of the, uh, that's the title. Is my pension in danger of going broke? I have a, what's called multi-employer plan pension. And we have been getting word that off and on that there might be some issues, but it also says that I have a guarantee from the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. Can you comment? So here's what we have, guys. The Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, uh, think of FDIC, right? Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, insurance corporation, which means your bank, if it's a member FDIC, means it, it has insurance to protect you if... The bank uh, runs out of money if there's a run on the bank. If the bank fails, etc. So the FDIC insurance means that if you have money in the uh, in the bank and it's protected, it's protected up to two hundred and fifty thousand per account. All right. This matters because imagine if all of us had State Farm insurance or All State or AAA or whatever and you're paying $300 uh, every quarter in car insurance, and then you get in a car accident, bam, you get a new car. I mean, you realize that $300 is not going to buy you a new car. But the reason it works is because all of us are putting in $300, and only one of us got in a car accident. Okay. Well, the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation is similar. If you are a member of PBGC, then your union or your pension plan pays a little bit each month or each year, to protect your account. So I'm going to play make-believe. I'll just give you some numbers so you can have an idea of what we mean by this. Okay. Think for a second if your pension is $2,000 a month. And if your pension is $2,000 a month, the employer might be paying over the years maybe $4 a month. So $4 a month to protect your $2,000 a month. You'd think that's pretty good. That's great. Because they wouldn't expect all pensions to, to have a problem at the same time, right? They would spread it out. So what is the actual protection that you receive? The actual protection is somewhere in the neighborhood of a little over $1,000 a month, about $12,800 a year. So the Federal Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, which ensures private plans, pays no more than $12,870 per year to a 30-year worker whose multi-employer plan has failed. Now, before I get to the next part, you need to realize what that means. If your pension is $2,500 a month, then you might receive $1,000 a month. But if the FDIC fails, then banks are even worse, right? Well, of course, people say, well, the federal government would give money to the banking system uh, they would give money to the FDIC to support the rest of the banks. You're probably right. That's what I would expect. But the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation is currently likely for the multi-employee plans to go broke in the next five years. That means the PBGC's fund for these plans will go, likely go broke in 2025 because more people than, uh, than they expected, more plans than they expected, have gone under. And as we speak, the United Mine Workers currently have 20 people taking money out of the pension. In other words, they're receiving their pension for everyone that's putting in. So the principal, the dollars that are in that account are starting to dwindle at a rapid rate. So much so that they think that will go out of business before the next two years. So Congress has passed laws. They're doing their best, if you will. I don't know about their best. They're doing something where they could lend money to different entities. I think, really, the realistic part is they they may have to fund or, or support the PBGC, the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, the insurance company for your pension plan. Because if it runs out of money and a pension defaults, then there's no place to turn. So I think what will happen, but this is just speculation, I think... Congress and the president are going to vote to put money into the pension plan, not your individual pension, your individual union plan. I think what they're going to do is they're probably going to fund the PBGC. And then, in addition to all of that, I think what the unions are going to do so that they are less likely to have to make a claim is they're going to reduce the money that they pay you. Now, I was speaking with a lady just the other day, and she said, oh, I'm 63 years old. I don't think the Calsters state teacher's plan is going to ever uh, run out of money in my lifetime. So I, I don't even think, I don't even worry. I am super secure. I said, gosh, I hope you're right. And maybe you're right. But I can also tell you this, that if you're 63 and you're going to live another 30 years, chances are pretty good they're going to have big problems down the line, not little problems. And so what I think, the big union or the big organizational pensions, CalPERS, Calsters, police, fire, etc I think if they come to you and they say, hey, guys, we have to make these rule changes, I know you're not going to like it, you're going to be upset, you're going to hold a sign, you're going to be upset and vote one way or the, I get it. But if you want these pension plans to exist, then you need to statistically, at the end of the story, statistically take 75% of your benefit. So if your pension is 4000 a month, expect 3000 a month. If you're going to receive 3000 a month and you can live on that, then the pension will live for the rest of your life and the other teachers or educators or city or state county workers. Now, maybe I'm off. Maybe it's 80%. Maybe it's 69%. I don't know. But I can tell you that they are underfunded, and when the rest of the world is amazing, financially speaking, when it comes to rates of return in the market, they're just not keeping up, right? They're just collapsing. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why. I don't know why they can't hit certain rates of return. They just aren't, right? When the market is doing 15%, they earned one. When the market was doing uh, you know, 26%, they earned, I think it was five and a half or something. So they're not even keeping up with what they need to do. So really the conversation needs to be the pension benefit guarantee corporation. And what the, what they should say is, look, we are, we are going to insure you pensions, but you're going to have to do your part, right? When you have fire insurance and, and and the insurance company is going to insure your home for fire insurance. What do they require? Well, they require you to clear the brush 20 feet from your house. They require you to have smoke detectors through city law or or the insurance mandate. If you're way out in the middle of nowhere, right, if you're in in a rural area, they're going to say, we need you to have home sprinklers. We need you to be reasonably close to a fire hydrant. Or where is the closest fire station? You see, as the insurance company, you can mandate rules. And if you're the insurance company for the pension... You're going to say, hey, guys, if you want to play, I'm the one with the money. Here's my sandbox. Here's the rules. Because the pension system cannot, will not, there isn't a way, there is no way, in my opinion, there's no way it can last for the next generation or two without having some sort of change. Why do I say that? Okay, it's just a math problem, guys. Right? Yep. I I cheated. I used the system called a calculator. The the way it works, it's just not going to matter. Because if people don't realize that pension plans are at risk of going broke, this was even from last summer, while everybody was on their vacation, the House Ways Ways and Means Committee voted to advance a bill to try to keep this from getting worse. And right away, that's 1.3 million Americans. Okay, that's just round one. So... How do you get to make a difference? What do you, what should you be doing? In my opinion, number one, reduce your debt. You know, stop spending more money than you make. You might have spent more money than you made when you were working. Life was good. You thought it was wonderful. You have Social Security and pension and this money and that money. Cut back. Save. Save. Just put it in a savings account. Pay off your debt. It'd be nice to have your house paid off, but that's not as important to me as paying off things like cars, credit cards, or student loans. Those are those because that is that is yesterday's dinner or last week's dinner you're still paying off. At least with the house, you get to live there tomorrow. Okay, so I do want you to pay off the house, but I want that to be the last thing after you've paid off what I call bad debt. In addition to all of that, do not Co-sign or take on new debt for anybody. Your daughter, your son, your granddaughter, your grandson, nobody. Your sister, your brother. Look, if they are deadbeats now, right? A client the other day said, hey, listen, uh, my 41-year-old brother still lives with our parents. He's never been married, never really had a relationship that we know of, has a great job in computers, goes to work, comes home, But he's on video games all day long. Now, when my kids come over, you know, the grandkids come over, his nieces and nephews, when they come over, he comes out, he's cordial, says hello. 41 years old, goes back into the back bedroom and plays video games. Now, if that man comes to you and says, hey, I I need a loan, you understand the tiger isn't going to change his stripes. He's not a go-getter. He's not an ambitious person. He's not, he will never pay you back. If you're going to give him money or co-sign for a loan, you have to be committed to say, I will never see that money again. If you're good with that, then I'm good with that. Right? I, I mean, don't. You don't get to control. This is very important. Please listen up. Because a lot of my seniors and young people as clients have this level of guilt that follows you around. You cannot control your children. Uh, listen, I can't control who God decided were going to be my kids. No more than they could control, you know, who God said was going to be their parent. I can't control who my brothers, my sisters are. I can't control my nieces or nev- I don't get to choose who I get to hang around with when they are family because that was decided by somebody else. But you do get to decide who you call friend. And that to me is beyond powerful. Because at any minute, you can say, I will no longer hang out with this person. I don't like the way they are. I don't like who they are. And you think it has to do with, you know, teenagers. Guys, this is you. How many times have I been with seniors? We've had seniors in our office where they're friends and they come in at different times. And and it's almost like they they gang up on this lady. And you say, wow, that's weird. I never thought 70-year-olds would talk like that well, she's always negative and she's a jerk and she never smiles and she always complains when all five of us go out to eat, her food is never right. And I just listen for a minute and then I say, well, then why do you guys hang out with her? Because that is the power. You get to control who you call friend. You don't get to control when other people pass away. Listen, whether you're working or whether you're retired, sometimes people we care about leave us. And if your goal is to be there and be the best human being you can, then I think you have to have God in your life somewhere. Listen, I'm not going to preach to you. That's not this station. But I don't know how you get by in life with all the misery and the problems that can come without having a center part of your life that is about having God in the center. I I don't know. Maybe there's a way. I just don't want to know. But I do know that you need to have some sort of a focus and regain your power of who you call friend, because then that decides on where you spend your money. And if you and I expect the pension world to change, which I do, now maybe if you're if you're 75, maybe it doesn't impact you, right? When the when the mathematicians do the the math problem, and they say, "Hey guys, uh, we are putting together a whole story, and you are stuck." You go, what do you mean? Well, they say, hey, listen, we're putting together this whole plan, this whole financial plan, and we want you to play this role in it. You could say no. You have the power to say, I'm not going to be a part of your business plan, junior. Mom, I need the money. Well, good. I believe in you, son. You will go out and find it. Go meet people. But if you're going to live in our house, here are the rules. It doesn't matter if they are over the age of 18 or 25 or whatever. Now, here's a good example. Uh, this last year, we had two clients, two, that had to move from their home to get rid of their son. Both of them happened to be young men. Can you not say that young men are being neutered or something? I don't know what's happening. It used to be, dad, I'm going to go out and strike it rich. I'm going to go out and claim mine. Love you, son. Go out and do it. And if you need anything from you, me and my mom, we're here for you, but you go out and claim your piece of America. Now their piece of America is the four walls inside of their little back bedroom and the bathroom that they keep a mess. Right? So, so nothing good comes from you saying, well, I guess that's the way it is. When these people had to move, look, the conversation, one of them was a client for about 15 years and she said, uh, listen, I had to tell Jimmy, Jimmy, you can't come to that to the house anymore. And he said, Oh no, I'm coming. And, and then one day there was a for sale sign and he didn't think she was serious. And then there was a sold sign and he still didn't think she was serious. And then the movers came and his stuff was piled on the front lawn. And she moved into a senior housing, a one bedroom senior housing. And she said, I, I don't know what Jimmy was thinking, but I, he, I gave him warning. So, Sometimes, listen, I don't think, I don't want you to have to leave your home to make a point, but I do need you to understand that if they are living with you, they better make a difference in this world. They better be saving, building money for their own uh, home someday, Uh, investing, buying rental property or investing in fixed annuities or guaranteed pension plan or something. I don't know. But if it's just they become consumer of stuff then I want you to have the power to regain that because here's what happens. When, not if, when the pension plans have a problem and you and I say, "Uh uh-oh, how are we going to fix it? If you have the anchor around your left leg called one of your children, then I think you need to understand, guys, that that's your choice. So this is important Because as we get closer to retirement or we are in retirement, I believe the idea of paring down our expenses include either saying, listen, all right, junior, you want to live with me. Here's the deal. You have to pay this much. Well, there you go. You just kind of soften some and you just take it and you save it, save it, save it. And this is important for you to add accountability to them. And I want that money goes into your pocket. Here's what's happening. There's about 12% of American workers that are vested in these multi-employer pension plans. They're expected to run dry 12% within 20 years, some a lot sooner. You heard me mention that. Okay, this is important because in your world, they're not going to receive any more than $12,800. Now, will that impact police and fire? I love it when people say, oh, I spoke to my person. They said we are 87% funded. You have to ask yourself, what does that mean, 87 or 82 or 79? What, what is the That means if you accept that as payment in full and the rest of the assumptions were made with the pension plan, for example, we think we're going to earn a 7.5% return. Okay. And as long as they earn 7.5% in the pension, life is good. You see, while you're working, there are three ways that the pension has money. Number one is the employees. So when you work, a portion of your money, your paycheck, goes into that bucket. The second is all of the money that's been in there for years and years earns an interest rate, we hope. And as it does, that's extra money that goes into that bucket. And then if there is something that's at risk of default... In other words, there just isn't enough money. So between your contribution and the interest that they earn, they're still short. Then the employer has to make that up. So if the employer is a city, county, state, that means money that they had raised originally to go into the bucket for you can no longer go to build new roads or pay for existing employees or pay for the health care benefits of existing employees or to pay for the police or the fire or the pay raise for the new equipment or the new vehicles, and on and on. So the more that the employer has to put in, the less money there is for capital improvements. In our industry, it's called CapEx. CapEx. That means spending money on equipment and manufacturing uh, buildings, etc. So as that expense goes through the system, you have to ask yourself, when is too much. In other words, what, when is there just not enough money left? So take a look. You could do your own research. You're going to see the different cities where 50%, 60% of the money that they raise, that they bring in taxes, right? They don't sell anything. They, they give you parking tickets or they charge you fees or they, you have to pay taxes. 40, 50, sixty percent in some cases even more of cities, counties or municipalities here in Southern California in the next few years of the of the money that they bring in, that has to go to pay for pensions. That means there isn't enough so that means their only job is to pay for workers and pensions that were yesterday. I think they should do that. but I also think, uh-oh, what's happening to the new roads and bridges? What's ha- is it? Everything else is the federal government's fault, right? Like a teenager, it's not my fault, mom. Right? The mayor of Los Angeles, not my fault. The state should be giving us more money, and since they're the same political party, they both gang up on the federal government. The federal government should be doing its job, right? These are the same people that defy the federal government in every other place, except when they want money. So we are seeing time and again companies moving out of California. And that means there's less tax base. So I think that means there's going to be a greater problem later on. And as that greater problem occurs, if your goal is to stay here in California, or you actually have a pension that's derived from an entity here in California, city, county, state, then just pay attention to the numbers. Keep an eye out. Save 25% of what you make. Play pretend for a couple of months. What if we don't have 25% of my pension? Can I live? So in other words, just save it. 25% comes in, save it, act as if it doesn't exist. Can the rest of your life, are you not going into debt? Are you enjoying your life? Are you paying your bills? Are you paying your health insurance, enjoying uh, the day-to-day eating out? Whatever it is that you want to do. Can you live with 25% of your money being removed? If you can, then, then this is a problem that somebody else is going to make and fix. If you can't, then you better start planning and and structuring your life accordingly, meaning getting out of debt, uh, downsizing your expenses, getting rid of the anchor around your leg called the child who lives in the back bedroom, who's 32 or 29, right? Because they eat, they use electricity, they have water. So even if they say, well, they don't, they pay for their own cell phone and you're like, oh, what a, uh, and, and car, wow, what a what a benevolent man. How about his own breath? Does he he pay for his ability to sit his fanny or sleep? Because that, that costs money, guys. All right, I want you to please be careful. Hey, one of the shows coming up, I'm going to get into what I think you should do when it comes to inheriting. For some of you that want to pass money on while you're still alive, we see a lot of that. They say, listen, I have more than I need. I want to make sure that my kids do the right thing with it, or I want to see them enjoy it. I want to see them have a better life than I did. So I want them to have the money now. I see that a lot, and I want to get into some rules, some things that we've seen on the ways to make that a successful part of your retirement life. Hey, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. That's 888 retire 888 997 Hey, guys, you can always get a hold of us anytime you want on that phone number. It's my pleasure. If I can help you, we'll do it. Uh, you're welcome to come in. We have an office in, in Glendale. We have an office in Santa Clarita in Simi Valley. Uh, we occasionally meet with folks down in the Long Beach area as well. If you need something, I'm here for you. 888-99-RETIRE. I'm Eric Hallaby. Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Learn about financial power. Total